to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Oge Chibo. I'm Ian Bukta. Today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. I know I say that every week that we're going to be doing something a little bit different, but this week it's actually going to be totally off the beaten path. So the first thing that we're going to be doing is we have some really interesting field reporting from Steve Saunier, who went to the Iowa Public Health Association's Legislative Forum, where he interviewed Lindy Buckingham Scott and Janine Moody. And then he also spent some time talking with lawmakers about issues in public health, and he'll be giving him, us his perspective on it. So the other thing that we're going to be doing, and I'm really excited that we were able to put this together for y'all, is uh, we're going to be doing a Meet the Crew. And uh, so, yeah, okay, what's that all about? Um, so, congratulations to us, I guess, because we have a whole new team for the podcast. And for this, we're going to be hearing a little bit from the whole team, our names, what we do, what our interests are in, and yeah, just hang on tight. So now we're going to turn it over to Steve Sonier. This is Steve Sonier reporting for the University of Iowa College of Public Health podcast. At the beginning of December, several other students and myself attended the Iowa Public Health Association Legislative Forum. This event allowed members and partners of IPHA to engage with policymakers on issues for the upcoming 2020 Iowa Legislative Session. I had the opportunity to talk with two attendees about their specific public health priorities. Uh, today we are talking with Janine Moody. And Janine is here with me at the IPHA Legislative Forum. And today we're going to be talking about some of the most pressing issues that she is representing. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a heads up on that? Sure, sure. So my day job is as faculty at Des Moines University and working with students such as yourself. Um, I'm a public health professional for a long time. But today, the hat that I was wearing was as a board member of the Iowa Tobacco Prevention Alliance, which is an organization, a coalition of a number of nonprofits who are concerned about tobacco control issues in our state. And can you talk about some of the issues that are coming up the most? with that. Sure. Well, we have the perennial issues that we continue to bring forward every year, mm -hmm. um, raising the tobacco tax. We haven't done that in nearly a decade mm -hmm. in our state. We worked very long and hard to raise it by a dollar last time. We are now asking to raise it by a dollar fifty. Um, as with any tobacco tax, it has to be large enough to be meaningful. And the most price-sensitive population is youth, mm -hmm. and so it is a prevention, is a public health prevention measure in and of itself to raise the tobacco tax. It also has the opportunity to generate some revenue mm -hmm. to put towards public health uh, issues such as funding our community partnerships and we have one of those in every one of our 99 counties in the state mm -hmm. so there's a, a funding element for an income side but really our focus is on the prevention effort that it is because it helps people quit that's a really good overview of those legislative issues and kind of where we see the field headed towards ideally. What is, or rather, what are some methods that students can use to get involved in this advocacy or kind of moving forward in their career if they see this as a point of interest? Sure. Um, I do want to also add that yeah. other issues around tobacco control in addition to raising the tobacco tax. Obviously, I hear when I talk to students, whether they're high school students or college students right now, an interest in the vaping issue and the acute um, outbreak that we've been seeing nationally. 
And so I do want to plug that that is a public health surveillance system that worked, and that's the only reason that we know that happened. If that um, outbreak had happened during flu season, it probably would have gone a little below the radar. It would have been harder to identify. So from a public health student standpoint, there are a lot of issues tied into tobacco control that might be of interest. If people are interested in particular about um, raising the tobacco tax, closing the loophole on our Smoke-Free Air Act, we exempted casinos. Um, so we have a large number of Iowa workforce that have to work in smoke-filled environments and have had to choose between a good job or their health. Um, so one organization that's based out of Iowa City that might be of interest to your students in particular is Cafe Iowa Can, mm -hmm. which is clean air for everyone, Iowa Can. It's a C4, so they do lobby. Um, they were one of the first organizations to start probably 15 or 20 years ago working on tobacco control issues. And the president of that organization is Dr. Eileen Fisher, who is a retired faculty member from the U of I. So she would be an excellent point of contact. Perfect. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me about these issues. Thank you. If you haven't already checked out our episodes on the current vaping crisis, the series includes prominent public health voices who provide an informative and meaningful analysis of the epidemic. I was glad to hear Janine mention the issue of raising a tobacco tax, as we've had prior discussions with other colleagues about the power of taxation as a public health prevention measure. Iowa currently ranks 26th in the nation in total cigarette taxes. Another key point is that the federal tax on cigarettes has not raised in a decade. The World Health Organization estimates that a 10% rise in prices for cigarettes can cause overall smoking rates to drop by about 4% in high-income countries. As of the beginning of December, only 20 states and the District of Columbia have passed taxes on e-cigarettes. In Iowa law, there is no state excise or special tax placed on e-cigarettes, and vape products are not covered by the Smoke-Free Air Act. Our second guest was Lindy Buckingham Shutt. She works at the Harkin Institute at Drake University as the Associate Director of Wellness and Nutrition. We sat down together to discuss Double Up Bucks, an exciting new model for healthy food incentives. So Double Up Food Bucks is a food, in, or a food incentive program that people who use Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program benefits, so SNAP, uh, otherwise known as Food Assistance in Iowa. So people who are in Food Assistance in Iowa can use Double Up Food Bucks benefits to double up the amount of money they can spend on a weekly basis on fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, so SNAP itself is a program a feeding program for low-income Americans who are food insecure. So if you're eligible, if you meet, there's um, a series of, of eligibility criteria, um, one of which is an income eligibility. So if you're low-income in America, you likely can participate in SNAP. Uh, if you participate in SNAP, uh, and you participate in the Developed Food Bucks in Iowa, what you can do is go to most farmers markets in Iowa have it, um, and it just recently expanded to the retail setting, but you can go to the farmer's market or the retail setting and use your SNAP benefits to buy fresh fruit and vegetables. And if you buy fresh fruit and vegetables, you'll get an additional dollar to buy more fresh fruit and vegetables. So it's doubling up your buck. And then with that too, how is this kind of being marketed and advertised to folks? And kind of what are you seeing with the enrollment figures for it and the projection for what's coming up next for the Double Up Bucks program? Yeah, so the Double Up Food Bucks program, it's run through the Healthy Estate Initiative here in Iowa. So they do most of the marketing for it. Um, 
all the outreach. Like I said, it's in most farmers markets, so farmers markets usually do a pretty good job of putting on their stands. We accept double up food bucks here. Um, it's a benefit to them, obviously, if they accept double up food bucks, they are getting double the amount of money for the amount that person planned to spend. Um, so there's that information at farmers markets, and then in the 14 fairways that recently expanded to and two high bees, they're they're putting more of that information up um, within the stores to encourage people to participate in the program as well. And then, in terms of utilization and kind of bringing this back into a public health perspective, what is kind of the ultimate goal with the Double Up Bucks program? Well, uh, the goal is to help people have access to healthy food, um, in particular the population that uses SNAP. Uh, they typically tend to, the research shows us at least, is they have lower diet quality <laughs> than their um, than people who have higher income in the okay. United States. So that is a way for them to improve their diet quality. Um, that population also tends to have a higher percentage of diet-related chronic diseases, usually associated with, obviously, poor diet quality. So if there's a way we can really support um, support increasing healthy food intake within that population, that's very important. Most people know healthy food tends to be more expensive food. So if we can make it a way, if we can figure out a way to make it easier for people to actually purchase that healthy food, um, it's, it's a really a it's, a, it's a huge benefit to, to people who might not be able to otherwise have a healthy diet. And then looking forward, kind of if students were interested in going to something like this or policies behind this, what would be the best way to get involved on there and either from an advocacy line or from a career standpoint? From an advocacy standpoint, the... On a federal level, the Farm Bill is the bill that actually funds, well, it funds all of SNAP. Um, actually, 80% of the, uh, the funding for the Farm Bill goes towards SNAP. A very small, so the Farm Bill, 80% of that, so 60 billion dollars or so is spent on SNAP. About 250 million over the five-year farm bill period is spent on food incentive programs like Double Up Food Bucks. So supporting the farm bill and supporting incentive programs um, like Double Up Food Bucks or funding for incentive programs like Double Up Food Bucks within the farm bill is really important. So it, when it comes around, um, five years from now, it was just um, it was just funded again in 2018 for five years. So when it comes around, I guess, in four years from now, supporting that mm -hmm. and encouraging continued funding for that program, if not more, is really important. Uh, at the state level, it would be great if people would support statewide funding. Currently, all funding for um, food incentive programs, Double Up Food Bucks in Iowa, comes from federal dollars or from private dollars that were put towards supporting it which is wonderful, however, it would be great if we could get some state funding support behind it as well. Um, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but it's not just a benefit to the people who are using SNAP dollars, it's a, it's a huge benefit for um, farmers in Iowa. So at farmers markets, those farmers selling that produce, they are again getting double the amount of money from someone on SNAP if they, if they buy produce at their stand. And with it expanding into the retail setting, it could be a huge windfall for the retail setting um, in terms of the money that is spent in their store. Um, again, benefit the retailers, benefit the farmers. Um, I believe for every $64 billion spent, um, spent from SNAP, in turn, we see a $114 billion economic stimulus on the opposite side. So 
it's not only a feeding bill, but it's really an economic stimulus bill as well. That's really incredible to hear about and kind of giving us a big oversight into this really amazing progress with this bill. I really appreciate your time here today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for talking to me. Throughout the day, we heard from other collaborators in the field of public health. It was important to see the voices in action, as we know that a major part of our education is translating theory into practice. While our van drifted back home, our team reflected on their favorite parts of the session and the connections that they had made. As a newcomer to the state and completing my first term in policy, it gave me a lot to think about for the perennial question of this podcast. If there is one thing that I thought I knew, but was later wrong about. To find out my answer, you'll have to stay tuned. This is Steve Sanye, signing off for this week. Great job to Steve Sanye in the field. Now we are going to change up directions to some of our conversations with our crew and some of their answers to some of the questions that you've heard us ask guests. So um, one of our favorite questions is to ask, what is one thing that they thought they knew but later realized they were wrong about? And also, what is one thing outside the world of public health that they are interested in? Yeah, and we have asked every single one of our guests what is one thing that they thought they knew but later realized they were wrong about? And we've been asking them what's something outside of the world of public health that they are interested in. And we started asking that a couple months ago. But we thought it might be a little bit interesting for you all to kind of get to see who's on the other side of the microphone when, when you listen to us each week. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn it over to, well, ourselves. Hey, this is Steve. I'm chiming in for my two questions. Uh, The first, what is one thing I thought I knew but was later wrong about? I thought I knew how to prioritize my time, but moving across the country, starting graduate school and re-entering academia, and having a kid really made me hone my time management skills. I find that I'm a lot more effective with my time than I was in undergrad, and I do find myself more grounded at the end of the day. The family gives me that kind of breath of fresh air where I can switch my brain off from public health and policy for a little bit, although nothing puts a baby to sleep like reciting lecture notes. The second, which is something outside the field of public health that I'm interested in, is mountaineering. Uh, I started climbing mountains back in college when I summited Mount Eddy, uh, which is the highest peak in the Trinity Alps in California at about 9,000 feet. Uh, It was a really surreal feeling of accomplishment and wonder while getting to see more of that beautiful country that we live in. And then I caught the climbing fever and later summited Mount St. Helens in Washington and Mount Jefferson in Oregon. So I'm somewhat stranded and out of my element in Iowa, but I've got Mount Mitchell in Appalachia on my radar. So I am hoping to make a trip out there this upcoming spring. So do you mind stating your name and your program here at the college? Yeah. So I'm Haley Boudreaux and I am a second year in, so I'm a second year MPH student in the community and behavioral health department. Great. And what's your interest in public health? Yeah. So um, prior to coming back for um, my graduate degree, I actually practiced as a dietitian. So I received my undergrad degree in dietetics. And so my interests align Um, a lot with food and nutrition, but also with um, community 
redevelopment or development surrounding access. Um, so creating more access for better um, health and nutrition and um, you know healthcare and transportation and housing. Um, so just better access in general. Great. So moving on, what is one thing that you thought you knew but later realized that you were wrong about? You know, I always, always look forward to people's answers um, towards this question. I really thought about it. I think simply put, my answer is having a dog is a lot easier or a lot harder (laughs) than I once thought it was going to be. And I love my dog. Her name's Pepper Jack. But as you can hear from her name, she is... um, She's been a difficult dog, but she is, she's so great. But I think more complicated than that, um, I think, not that I ever thought health was an easy subject, but I think, you know, in elementary, middle school, and high school, you take the subject health, right? You learn kind of black and white of health. And then in my undergrad degree, you know, I learned nutrition health and I learned that there's these things called calories and um, energy input versus energy output um, should help you lose weight or gain weight or, um, you know, these proper macro or micronutrients will help um, your body achieve or, you know, achieve depletion of different nutrients. So it, it was painted very black and white and I think public health is very gray and I I love that I love that we have so much interest in health and my interest in you know food and nutrition crosses over to your interest in you know data and so yeah my my interests can align with your interests and can align with you know, next semester I'm going to be working in um, alcohol recovery, and I think our interests can align with that. And so it's just very gray. And so health isn't black and white. And I think, you know, that goes along with the people that we help too, is what is motivating and driving people to either be public health professionals, take part in public health, what is, you know, motivating them to get vaccines or not vaccines or, you know, do exercise or, you know, pick the choices that they make in the grocery store. It's, it's not black and white. It's very gray. Um, and it's very, you can kind of walk yourselves in circles constantly thinking about those things. Um, but I think the other great thing is that there's so many people that it's so complicated and so frustrating a lot of times that awkward gray area and and that's okay. It's interesting to hear you say that the connections in public health are part of the gray area because that's not something I have ever thought about before. Yeah, it's very, I think about, I just think about, yeah, and I put it in colors because it helps me realize you know that there's so much to it and there's tons of different shades of gray i feel like there's only one black and white and um yeah it's just very fascinating how it can all like come together and make one one life one person right they might fall more close to the white or more close to the black and then come together and make this really gray they might have the nutrition down but then be covering you know alcoholic and 
and how can we help that? They might, you know, believe in vaccines, but, you know, be vaping. I mean, how can we, everyone, you know, how can we help them in a public health realm? Yeah, wow. All right, last question in a not public health realm. So going in, going a different direction with this. Um, what's something that's really interested you outside of the world of work, outside of the world of public health? I have a lot of interests, I feel like, and I'm looking forward to um, kind of exploring those more as we get closer to graduation. Um, I think the last five or six months, I've been really interested in yoga, actually, um, which is, if you would have told me um, probably three to five years ago that I was going to be obsessing over yoga, I would have probably laughed in your face. But kind of like how I talked about this gray area and what motivates us and keeps us going is um, yoga is great. You know, I'm not a spiritual or religious person at all, but I needed something to keep me going. I needed something for my mental and my physical health and um, yoga is that for me. So I, I like going and I like the aspect of working out, but I also really like someone just telling me what move to do and when to breathe. Um, and I, I just like having that, you know, alone personal space um, and sharing it silently with the people in my room and, um, you know, having someone else control the temperature and um, the music and just kind of let myself go and um, not have to worry about, you know, the motivation or um, besides getting there, of course and what moves to do, it's all just told to me and I can kind of internalize all the other like stressful things that are going around me and just relax for an hour. So Oge, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Oge Chuku Carlotta Chibo, but I'm popularly known as Oge or Carl sometimes. <laughs> Nobody calls me Carl, but please call me Carl. <laughs> Um, I'm from Nigeria. I live in Abuja, Nigeria. Um, my tribe, I'm an Igbo girl. So my family is from a state in the southern eastern region of Nigeria called Anambra State. But I live in Abuja, which is in the north central. I am technically kind of a second year MPH student in epidemiology. So MPH, Masters of Public Health. Great. So what interests you in public health? Um, so for public health major topics, I guess, I'm really interested in the epidemiology of chronic diseases, infectious diseases, and also genetics. But I've chosen chronic diseases as my poison because, I don't know, I just, I don't know, there's just something about the heart <laughs> that makes me, I don't know, wanting or... I don't know. So, but I'm really interested in advocacy because I have a goal that way I kind of see myself in 30 years. I know I see myself somewhere in 30 years, but I don't see myself anywhere next year. <laughs> but yeah, so, and I really want to be able to go back home and advocate for public health because where I live, infectious diseases is still one of our high or, I don't know, number one kind of causes of death so i want to be able to advocate and like speak to the people reach out that kind of thing so that's why i went under the track of public health awesome so what is one thing that you thought you knew but later realized that you were wrong about um i think for me the concept of love 
is something I thought I knew. I would never brag that, oh yeah, I understand love or I know what love is about. But definitely the way I thought about it. And then there's just this sense of entitlement. So I don't know, just based off of subjective, I don't know, superstitions, I guess. Irrational thoughts of what it is. And yeah, and right now I'm just on this whole self-awareness, self-love, self-growth. Um, building a deeper connection with God journey and I'm starting to realize okay so everything I thought was wrong and I need to throw it away in the dustbin and I'm like okay cool <laughs> so yeah wow that's that's profound thank you so lastly what's something outside of the world of public health that's really interested you oh fashion that's so easy I love fashion so much I can stay so I was just talking to my friends how I, ju- I now know my hobbies which means basically one hobby, and it's fashion. <laughs> so I just sit down. I always, I love clothes. I love vintage clothing. I love to put clothes together. I love to just look at clothes and want to put clothes together in my head. And that's something I'm actually really, when I say, oh, I'm passionate, I'm passionate about this. But I just don't have quote unquote time quote-unquote time (laughs) to really focus on that and see how I can build my own sense of style and what I really like or what I don't like and things like that so hi I'm Emma Metter from Independence Iowa and I'm currently an undergraduate in the University of Iowa College of Public Health working towards my bachelor's of science. My interest in public health would have to be epidemiology with an emphasis in infectious diseases. One thing I thought I knew, but was later wrong about, was that public health encompasses so much more than the general health commonly thought. It's also community and behavioral health, maternal and child health, biostatistics, global health, health policy development, and so much more. One thing outside the world of public health that really interests me would have to be ecology and understanding how our world is changing and coping with global warming in our advancing society. My name is Ian Bukta. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm a second year MPH in epidemiology. Cool. So what are your interests in public health? I'm interested in public health practice and communication. You know, we have to make the system of public health itself work. The the thing that inspires me in public health is when you hear about, you know, people not getting vaccines, when you hear about people questioning whether or not we should fluoridate water. That's really what turns the gears in my head in public health because we have to protect the advances that we've made. And the way we do that is through our conversations with the public. What is one thing that you thought you knew, but later realized you were wrong about? So, I think the thing that I learned, I'm a, I'm a little bit older, you know, than some of my graduate school colleagues. Is, you know, I had some time to work, and I realized that no one will pay you to become a good person. And what do I mean by that? You know, I have gone out and I've worked in a lot of places. I've been able to advance myself in my career, but nobody you know, you wake up one day and you have to realize, and you realize that this is the person I'm stuck with. And the choices that I make are the person that I'm going to be. 
and you know it isn't going to get you ahead in your career to go and do things that are just to make the world a better place i know that might sound cliche but the things that we do going and volunteering but not like officially volunteering so you put it on your resume but no just like oh a friend needs just a little bit of help they need to move or you know one of my older friends needs help um with a little bit of yard work that sort of thing no one is going to pay you to do that no one is going to it's never going to get you ahead but it's the things that that you do like that that just make life worth living and i don't think that i realized that in the beginning of my career but i think about it more and more now what is one thing outside of the world of public health or work that really interests you you think you think since i wrote these questions i would actually <laughs> have a good answer for these um i think i think the thing that has been really interesting me recently is I, I think I've been thinking a lot about just like how do you make friends right like I know that sounds crazy but like as adults it's not easy and I, I, I I've moved a lot I'll be moving in May for um, because my wife will be matching soon and so there's all these different places that we could go with all kinds of different activities and you know as you're thinking about moving it's like how am I gonna meet people like what activities am I going to do and like, what does life look like in five months for me? And I think that's something that has really just been interesting to think about. Like, oh, like all of these different potential activities that I could do. All right, okay, what did you think about the, the different responses? I love Tady's response in particular because I honestly didn't know studying diathetics <laughs> i didn't know that was a thing and i think it's actually really interesting so i really love that bit and i love the fact that steve goes mountain climbing mountain climbing yeah yes, yeah mountain. for me i think um i really liked Haley's answer about you know having a dog um and in a very in a kind of similar way you know steve talking about life when you have a kid like that's it's interesting to hear because you know we all go through you know we go through the normal day a lot of us uh, but we at the end of the day like you know we we come home from class and we're able to just kind of at least I I just lay down on the couch and you know with Steve having a kid he's got to be just moving 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 all day mm-hmm. yeah I, I also really like your answers as well um uh, uh, you know, talking about some really big ideas, talking about, you know, love is something that you thought you knew, but yeah, like it, it's a good reminder. Do we ever know love? Yeah. Shout out to Pepper Jack Cheese. I call it that Pepper <laughs> yeah. Jack Cheese. And also um, her point on um, public health being a gray area, right? I think, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of our themes tied into similar things on answering that on answering you know questions and what we're interested in public health yet yet they while they relate they all kind of have that similar theme of everything is just more complex than we ever thought yes at least at first glance yeah Mm -hmm. what were you saying systems thinking yeah yeah (laughs) the systems and and really systems are public health yeah and causal loops yeah all this nice stuff that is going to be it for our holiday episode thank you all for tuning in with us for this our first year and 
We're so excited to see what we can bring in, bring out for you in this new decade. You can find us on Facebook at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. We're on iTunes and Spotify as well as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. So that's it for this week. This episode of From the Front Row was hosted by Oge Chibo and Ian Bukta. This episode was produced by Ian Bukta. Steve Sanye interviewed Janine Moody and Lindy Buckingham Shook. The crew members who participated today were Steve Sonye, Haley Boudreaux, Oge Chibo, Emma Metter, and Ian Bukta. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. See you next week! Apparently, the decade doesn't really start till the end of 2021. Because the, yes. 2021, that's some nonsense. Yeah, because. End of 2020, maybe. uh, No, wait. Well, because 2000 was the new decade, and then 2010. Yeah, but like, if you're thinking about from the start date, the year did not start at zero. All right, Oge is trying to hit me with another (laughs) thing that I thought I knew, but later realized I was wrong about. Listeners, please call in and uh, please send us messages about whether or not you think that the decade starts in 2020 or 2021. I will say because it's a common misconception, just like when you say, oh, I'm 22 years old, you're you're not just 22 years old at that point. You're like 22 and something to get. So like right now, I'm 21 years old and nine months. So when I turn 22... That's the day I'm 22, but that's not when I'm really 22 because I've been leading up to that day. So the day after that, I'm now 22 and something. Mm. See, that's a good point. But listeners, if you think that 2020 is the beginning of the new decade, please write us. You can find us at University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook, uh, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can also reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. That's cph-g-r-a-d-a-m-b-a-s-s-a-d-o-r at uiowa.edu. And give us your rationale. Yes, also tell us why why you think I'm right. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we should get out of the studio. Bye and stay warm. <laughs>